Fake news. Mr. President. Fake news. Fake news. Fake news. Mr. President. I just want to have one thing to say. Mr. President, I'm trying to get a word edgewise here. Fake news put out Mr. President, it's not. It's not fake news just because you don't like it. A few days ago, fake news Enough! Each and every Tuesday, the Journey into Comics Network brings you the real news with the poor of poor, with the late breaking news that really matters. The following is a Journey into Comics Network production. And here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Journey into Comics, the podcast dedicated to all things nerd, with your host, the podfather himself, Nate Phillips. Showtime, a-holes. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Journey Into Comics. It's Journey Into Comics 203. I am your host, Nate the Podfather here. How's everybody doing today? It's Monday. Hope your weeks are starting off smooth. Anyways, guys, so I'm here. I have lots of stuff to talk about. There's no one else but me. But I'm going to kind of give you guys some a uh, little bit of insight to my world as of late. Some of the things that have been going on with me. It's interesting because I took last week off, technically speaking. So there was like some news and stuff I didn't get to cover and whatnot. I'm not really going to get to that news. We're going to go with the more current stuff today. Uh, but I'm going to fill you guys into like what my world has been since I haven't spoke to you for a while. So to... Really kick things off back a couple Fridays ago, Sarah and Veronica went to Los Angeles. And now, here's the crazy thing. For the first time in, well, at least 11 years, I was completely alone with no one to, like, interact with. You know, I was in in this house that I live in by myself. I didn't have anybody come over. No friends came to hang out. It was just me and my brain. And I got lost because... We've been remodeling the kitchen, and we've been like, uh, had to take tear all the wallpaper off this kitchen. Had this old, gross green wallpaper, and had to, you know, touch up some holes, and you know, then are painting it a new color, and had to get an old piece of furniture out of here that we're not responsible for anymore and whatnot. So we've been doing all these like projects and whatnot, and everything in the kitchen essentially is getting painted or redone. So windows, they had the window sill and everything around it. They all have their wood, so they all have to be painted. The cabinets, they have to be, well, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, so anybody who's been in our kitchen before knows that when you walk in through the side door, you look directly at like a, a faux brick wall. It's all white, and it's always been all white. We repainted it to like look nice because there was like a lot of old cigarette smoke from uh, Sarah's grandpa- grandfather, more accurately, uh, when he lived here, <clears throat> it had stained the walls. So we, uh, you know, painted that, and we've got some plans for that wall and whatnot. But uh, wh- when the girls left, I was like, "What am I going to do?" So I got kind of lost working in this kitchen, and I like spent six and a half hours painting above the cabinets and sink area, and like really getting that all nice and together and whatnot, and started like working towards the the washer and dryer, which are also by where you enter the kitchen for those of you who don't know uh great description of my kitchen uh it's not really that great of a description but if you really want one i could give it to you i guess it's a podcast so i guess that's a fair thing to do you like you like walk in the kitchen and then to like when you open the door it swings left 
and there are the washer and dryer right there to the left, right where the door swings. The door can't open all the way because the washer and dryer stop it. To the right is the microwave, and then there's like um, right next to the microwave is the stove. Then there's the counter, and the counter wraps around to this window that faces out to the front of the street. And then there's a huge bay window that's in this room. I guess it's not actually a bay window because it doesn't have like the in, the out like the recess out into the world. It's just like a giant fucking kitchen window. And then that, and, th- and then the brick wall that faces the opposite direction. Oh, and then next to the fridge, which is directly facing when you walk in on the left-hand side of the room, uh, are two uh, closet doors as well. So we've been painting and doing all this shit and whatnot, and, and I ca- kind of got lost working in here and then kind of spooked myself out. And then, like, okay, so I'm, like, a big animal dude. Like, I really like pets. So uh, I was here, and I have the two kittens, Ami and Cammy, and they're hanging out with me being awesome. And I look onto our uh, security systems, and I notice that there is a kitten on our porch. So I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm gonna, I, I always do this. If I see a stray that's in our area, I will feed the stray cat. It comes around once in a while. They're all pretty skittish, so they don't really, like, hang out and, you know, um, invade our space or anything. They're not shitting on our lawns or anything like that. Well, maybe they are, but I don't think they are. Uh, so I see this cat, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to fucking feed this cat. So I get some food together, and I get some water together, and I put it out there. And obviously, as soon as I started rustling, the cat took off. So I'm like, I'll be patient. I'll wait. When I see the cat come back, I'll get up and I'll see what's up with this cat. So I see the cat stirring on the, you know, on the monitor. So I jump and I go into the living room and I look and I see this cat. And it's a beautiful, like kind of Siamese kind of looking cat, but not quite. And uh, it was missing its right eye. And it didn't look bloody, so it wasn't like something recent, but something had taken its eye in its life, and it was just living without its eye, and it was so sad, and I was very upset. It just saddened me, you know, like to, to my core to see this creature who's doing its own thing, living its own life, and it's got it's and it's scared of everything, and it's missing an eye also because it's been injured, so it's extra scared of everything, you know. So I fed the cat, whatever. Uh, next day went down to Hoopston, visit my dad the whole weekend with dad was pretty cool. We just hung out and didn't really do shit. There's not much to report in that regard, except for he's got a grill. So we grilled every fucking day. I was there for, let's see. I got down there Saturday. I stayed till Monday. So Saturday, Sunday, Monday, three days there, which was awesome. It was great to do that. Uh, so you know, we hung out, we had a blast, we didn't do any work for the first time in like three years, because every time I'm home, there's always a project to do, because, uh, you know, we were, we've been working on the house and whatnot, so uh, hang out with him, and it was a great time, and we got to go to like my, my grandma's family's family reunion, and there's this like crazy thing with the number eight, I wish I could have fucking, I should have taken a picture, I was too aloof and wasn't thinking. Uh, I want to take a picture of this thing my grandma wrote a long time ago. It was like the whole story of eights and how she's like the uh, youngest of eight kids and all these things and people born and died on certain dates that were eights and and that has continued on past her life and even in her life and the end of her life ended on an eight. So uh, it's very bizarre how that worked and it was this really interesting piece of history I'd never seen but it was this book my grandma had kept uh, and, and it had... It, history of our family and it was really cool so Monday I come home and Monday was different because I had to prepare myself to drive oh and I didn't even tell you guys I had to drive Sarah and Veronica to O'Hare uh 
the night that I was like by myself, I drive them to O'Hare. It was fucking nightmare. I ended up being in the car like five and a half hours straight without doing anything but driving because it was like traffic jam getting up there and stopped traffic, traffic jam coming home the whole entire fucking way. It was so awful. Anyways, so Monday I get back here and I'm like, I'll do a little bit more work in the kitchen. I'm going to start working on the, uh, the trim in the kitchen because it's got to get painted white. The walls are going to be blue at like this really beautiful color of blue that like changes colors throughout the day because it's just a certain tone that just shifts as the, uh, different natural lights hit it or kitchen lights hit it, or, you know, based on how the shadows hit it, it really, it changes significantly. It like shifts constantly, which is really cool. So I'm painting the trim white and whatnot, and Sarah's dad swings by, and we're chatting for a bit, bullshitting and whatnot. He takes off, and I'm kind of like, again, left to myself, and I got to like, I think I had to edit the poor rapport. Oh, that's what happened. Okay, so I'm editing the poor rapport for last week. I think it was episode 49, probably. Yeah, it was 49. Um, So I'm I'm editing episode 49, and uh, I get it up, and then AP had also sent me Adulting Ain't Easy, so I'm like, I'll just get that edited and get it taken care of. So I'm in the house by myself, and I'm sitting here, and I'm, you know, working on the laptop, and the fucking power goes out, and I about shit my pants, because it's like storming or anything, it was like perfectly calm night, but the power just cuts, so I like got fucking accelerated, man, I don't know if I need to talk about, okay, so um, I had like a little bit of an accelerated heart rate, and that was a little bit terrifying, and uh, so I guess that's a segue kind of, okay, so I'm just going to talk about it, because it's, you guys come here to hear what I'm saying, and this is real. So this is me being super real right now. Uh, over the weekend while I was at my dad's, I did find out something about myself that might be happening, and I don't want to alert you guys too much, but it's good to know these things in case something crazy were to happen. Uh, dad was like, hey, I got this blood pressure test thing that I have to take every day now because he had high blood pressure. Okay, cool. So he's like telling me all about it. And he's like, oh, we should do it for you and see if you have high blood pressure. And I'm like, all right, dad, cool. Like, let's do it. Whatever. You know, I'm super calm. Okay. And he puts the little machine on me. I'm super calm. I'm breathing in. I'm breathing out. I'm breathing in. I'm breathing out. You guys know the drill. It's like fucking tightening on your arms so fucking tight. You feel like you're, the tips of your fucking fingers are going to pop like if you were to crush a sausage if, after it's fresh off the grill or something. Or squeeze a sausage after it was fresh off the grill. So um, it's like so tight. And I'm like, ah, and it comes down. And I hear my dad go, what the fuck does that mean? And my heart like fluttered. I was like, what? Why would he say that? So I'm expecting to be like, oh, dude, your blood pressure is off the charts. Like Your blood pressure is fucking nuts. We got to get you to the hospital immediately. He does not say that at all, though. He's like, there's this little sign on here, and I don't know what it means. I need to figure it out. So he's like, I was like, consult your manual, man. I don't, I don't know what it means. It's not my fucking machine. Like, consult your manual and tell me what it means. So he's like, all right. He looks through the book, looks through the book, and he kind of takes a, a little bit of a deep breath. He goes, okay, um, fuck. He's like, that means uh, that you have an irregular heartbeat. Okay, so then now I am a little bit panicked. My heart is racing, and uh, he's like, let's take the test again. I'm like, okay, let's do it. So we do it again. 
same result, nothing changes. Everything is pretty much identical numbers. Why is the little symbol shows up again in regular heartbeat? So I start looking it up. What the fuck does that mean? Like, what? Irregular heartbeat? What What can happen there? Apparently, there's like AFib. That's a thing that happens if you have an irregular heartbeat, which you, I think, have to go on a medication for. Anyways, I'm not really great with doctors. I'm not really pro-doctors right now. I don't have health insurance, spoiler alert. So it's, uh, you know, it's rough in these parts, but that's just how it is. So um, I've been monitoring myself a lot, and um, everything seems pretty normal, like, kind of, because I, like, I, I kind of even forgot that it happened a little bit, like, it was almost like a dream space for a minute, and then I was like, no, that really totally fucking happened, like, you might have an irregular heartbeat. I will say that later in the evening, I, on my own accord, measured myself, put the, put the little fucking blood pressure test on me, and, like, pushed the button, and just sat there, and breathe in and out, breathe in and out, and uh, it did not show that symbol, so I've been, kind of, like I said, I've been monitoring it, every time I go home to dad's now, I'm checking, and I'm gonna keep checking, and if I notice that, like, every week I'm home, that fucking thing is going off, I'll be going to a hospital, folks, and we'll be getting this figured out, because uh, I like, I'd like to stick around for a few more years, at least, like, at least, like, let's see, what am I, 31 now? Let's say I would like to live another 58 years. Sure. 58 years. I'd be 89. That'd be cool. 89 Batman. That's a cool number to go out on. I'm down with that. Cool. Great. Okay. So it's it's decided. 89 is the number. So anyways, um, I had to go pick the girls up Monday. And I drove up to O'Hare. It was super easy this time. I avoided a terribly crazy crash. I was probably like literally two and a half minutes um, behind the crash when it happened because every uh, traffic was just normal. And then all of a sudden it was tons of fucking brake lights and people were like fucking speed braking. And I was like, well, this is unnormal. I'll just slow down here. And I'm on 89 or I'm on uh, 94 heading up to Chicago. And I'm like, this is odd. And then like people are going around and there was like three or four cars spread across all the lanes of traffic with just certain gaps open. And they, I mean, they had been smashed part pretty hard. I don't know if somebody maybe. Uh, tried to change lanes and ended up clipping somebody, put them into the fucking like uh, right wall, and then a couple other people got caught up. I, I don't, I can only assume because I wasn't there, but the aftermath was pretty crazy. There was a gold car with its fucking tire down and like it, windows are all smashed to shit, but it seemed like everyone was okay. Like everyone was out of their vehicles and talking and they were all calm. I didn't see anybody like, you dumb piece of fucking shit. Like there was none of that shit. Like everyone was like, hey, are you, are you all right? Like, fuck, that was crazy, are you okay, are you okay, I'm fucking okay, man, I'm cool, and, like, they were all thumbs up, and people, like, letting them know, like, we are okay, and then I saw a shit ton of squad cars showing up, so I'm driving, and Sarah and V text and say, hey, we're here 10 minutes early, and I'm like, fuck me, I'm 10 minutes away, like, I'd kind of planned it to be there exactly when their flight arrived, like, that's how I like to be, so, uh, I'm just like, all right, well, I'll be there as soon as I can, but I'm, like, at least 10 minutes out, they're like, no worries, we got here early, we're still on the plane. So they ended up being on the plane for past how long it would have taken for them to actually, like, if they would have just landed when they were supposed to and gotten a gate. They had to actually wait for another plane to leave before they could get into the gate so they could let the plane, you know, disperse and let everybody out. So I had to, like, circle O'Hare fucking four times, and then finally I'm like, Pick them up right from the curb, and it was awesome. Uh, 
So then moving into the week, uh, nothing really happened on Tuesday or Wednesday. Thursday is pretty cool because I've been judging karaoke at Twin Cade in Griffith. If you guys have not checked out Twin Cade yet, again, I will say it one more time. It's the fucking coolest place. Arcade, bar, craft brews. If you're a fan of brews with dudes, you're a fan of Twin Cade. If you're a fan of, let's say, Journey into Comics Network or the Game Addicts podcast, for example, you are probably going to be a fan of Twin Cade because the dope-ass video games and the beer. But guess what they also have on Thursday is a karaoke contest. Every Thursday, they've been it, we take two people and we put them on into the finals. And this coming Thursday, which would be the, uh, the ninth, I do believe, this coming Thursday is guess what? The finals. That's it, folks. We're done. We're over. Uh, we had some pretty stiff competition this week. We took three people into a three-way tie and had our first ever person unanimously go through to the finals. Typically, there's like tiebreakers for every round because lots of similar scoring, and it's hard. You know, you're you're sitting there face to face with a real person, and you're not fucking Simon Cowell. Like, what's my fucking opinion matter to Joe fucking Schmo's opinion? You know, I mean, like, I am great. Okay, I'm a podcaster. Okay, I get it. I drum for Walk Among Us, but like, it's not like that. Like, we're just people, you know, and I don't look at myself as better than anyone or anything like that. So we're judging these people, and, you know, some people are fan-fucking-tastic, like, mind-blowingly great singers, and you're like, holy shit, like, get out of Northwest Indiana and go do something with your voice because you're killing it, man. Like, there's no reason you shouldn't be moving on with your career and doing something big because, well, you've got it. So we had this tiebreaker and it was really tough and we took somebody through and it's just, it's been hard. There's been people who maybe should have made it to the finals who didn't make it. They got cut. There's some people who had tried a couple times, made it to the, made it to the tiebreaker round and got cut and then came back and then ended up winning a subsequent night or whatever. Like it's been tough. It's been a very real, very stiff competition. We've had some pretty amazing guest judges. Uh, obviously, it's hosted by Keith Evans. You guys know him from uh, Word Verbum Science. He just released his comedy album. He was featured on uh, episode twenty of the Voice of Survival. Uh, but you know, Keith, uh, and he also was on uh, one. I can't remember what number it was, but it was one of the episodes uh, of Journey into Comics we did in the one nineties. I know that. Maybe 191 or 192, possibly. But, uh, so anyways, we, uh, you know, uh, getting back to it, we are, you know, we judge these people. It was very difficult, but we've had some great guest judges as well. I wanted, that's what I was saying. I, I lost myself for a minute, but I found it. Jesus, sometimes it's hard when you're not bouncing off of a person and you've just got to constantly be riffing and talking as much as I have been talking. So, anyways. Uh, I'm just going to list off some people we've had that are phenomenal. First of all, let's just mention that myself, Veronica, and Lauren, and Chris Plants, so that's um, the three of the four foodies and Chris from Kids for Sale, plus uh, also I'm on Journey into Comedy. You guys know what I'm doing anyways, uh, have been guest judges. Uh, we've also had Larry Rosenko from Chris Plants Band get by as a guest judge. He's a phenomenal individual. We're going to be talking about him in a second. Because uh, I'm gonna, I gotta, I gotta bring up a funny story involving him. Uh, we've had Andrew Reed and Ryan Dexter from this podcast is garbage as guest judges, uh, and those guys are amazing. We're gonna be linking up with them soon, hopefully doing some cross collaborations. They are arguably Northwest Indiana uh, centric biggest 
uh, podcast. They, you know, they have like everything they kind of do is based on what's going on in Northwest Indiana and beyond. And I, and I really love those dudes. They're great, great, fun, fun people to be around. And they've been fun to do karaoke and shit with because, you know, you, you get up there and you, you do sing yourself. I'm going to take a quick drink of water and probably, uh, yeah, sneeze. <laughs> Dang. That was intense. So back to it. Uh, Thursday, we are doing the karaoke thing. We get done judging, and Larry, because it was me, Larry, and Veronica judging that night. Larry's like, dude, we got to do a song together. So initially, we were going to do Psychosocial by Slipknot, which is awesome. I fucking love that song. Uh, And then... I was like, no, we should do 1979 by fucking Smashing Pumpkins. That would be the shit. And Larry was like, yes, oh my God, we should do that. Now, mind you, before we get to the last part of what actually happened, mind you, the whole week I had kind of been um, mentally preparing to do Forgot About Dre, uh, the Dr. Dre Eminem song. I can do both parts flawlessly. So it was like, why not? I'll just do it as a solo bit. I don't need a, a second person. It's just, it's a lot to do because it's very, very wordy and uh, the phrasing's long with a lot of those, uh, a lot of those bars, as they say. Um, So I'm planning that in my head all week and just kind of like touching up on it, doing dry runs where I just do the song with no beat, nothing, just straight up do the song, you know, uh, from the first line to the last. And uh <laughs> Larry's like, oh, dude, I got it. I know what we're going to karaoke. And I was like, what are we going to karaoke, Larry? And he's like, dude, fucking Hootie and the Blowfish. And I was like, holy shit, that is, uh, yes, ab- yeah, any any Hootie, you name it, let's do it. What one? And he's like, uh, let her cry. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's my, that's my favorite Hootie song of all time. Like, that's my jam. I've been mumping that jam since, like, 1994, right, or 95, whenever that album came out. Uh, it was one of the things that I like. It was the it was like one of the first cassettes I had. Um, well, my dad had, but I listened to it religiously. And then subsequently, it was one of the first CDs I bought after I started really collecting CDs. Uh, so we finally get up to do it, and man, it was fun. It was interesting because Larry was like, "Oh, dude, we'll trade off verses." You know, like you do a verse, then I do a verse, then you do a verse, then I do a verse. And I was like, "Oh, cool." There's only three verses, but you get the picture. We'll both do the choruses together. Like, it'll it'll, it'll be great. And uh, he had me take the first verse, and it was awesome. And then he goes to do the second verse. And I think, I don't know, he maybe been, it was, it was just funny because he, like, kind of lost it, but he didn't really lose it. He was fine. He just commented on how he lost it in the middle of singing. And I was just like, I'm just going to keep singing with you. And I just kind of took it over and fucking went for it. I really love that song. So we tore the house down. Veronica took a video. Some of it's on Facebook somewhere. I think I'm tagged. So if you have me on Facebook, you should maybe be able to see it. But don't quote me. I might share that to Journey into Comics Network and Journey into Comics Facebook page both. Uh, So that was that. And then this weekend has been um, we went to the symphony last night. That was fucking awesome in the park. And that was really cool. We got to, we like laid under the stars and with a bunch of fucking cool people that we don't know. And plus Sarah's parents and our friend Cody. And uh, we watched the fucking symphony play and they did like, 
all kinds of great stuff. They did a Pirates of the Caribbean bit. They did a, a fucking crime fighter medley, which was literally like Batman and Dragnet and Hawaii Five O and Chips and all those different, uh, you know, crime fightery TV shows from the 60s and 70s and 80s. Um, so it was really, that was a fucking blast, like totally fun. And, and it's really even more special because Sarah is working with the symphony. I mean, she's the assistant librarian, so we kind of have an end. So it's like after the show, we're back hanging out with Kirk Musprath, the director of the Northwest Indiana Symphony, and he knows me. He's like, I've seen your pictures many times, sir. He's like, uh, are, are you these two fine young ladies' bodyguard? And I was like, well, kind of. And he calls Sarah and Veronica, Betty and Veronica, but Veronica is Betty and Sarah is Veronica. I, d I don't, don't ask me. And I was like, well, I guess that just makes me Archie, you know, obviously, ha ha. And uh, it's funny because Kirk's like, I guess that makes me Jughead then. Kirk is a uh, Canadian, by the way, and he's uh, he's a very sweet man. And uh, it was really fun to to experience that last night and just kind of get that like behind the scenes sneak peek at the symphony and get up really in close, you know, and and hear conversations that I you don't expect to hear, you know. Like I didn't know we'd ever have this like knowledge of this person. I didn't, you know, it's weird. It's weird how the world fucking works, you know. So, anyways, uh, we we've riffed for. Damn near a half hour. Holy shit, I did pretty good for just kind of me just sitting here on the on the fly. I do have some comic book related news and nerdy news to nerd out with you guys about. Uh, we're going to get down with that right now because we've got some Star Wars news, folks. It's been a while since we've talked about Star Wars on the show here. Solo being the last thing we really talked about. Um, but like the actual like main story of Star Wars we've not really talked much about since when Last Jedi came out and the controversies that's been surrounding The Last Jedi. So it's been officially announced by J.J. Abrams that Episode 9 has began, begun, began. Episode 9 has begun. They, they have started, if you will. Episode 9 has started, if you will, because I apparently don't know how to fucking speak right now. Sometimes that happens on a podcast, folks. Your brain just switches on you, and you're like, what's the proper verbiage? Like, I don't, what is it again? I don't, I don't, I don't know how to speak, apparently. Anyways, they've started production on Episode 9. J.J. Abrams tweeting out, bittersweet starting out this next chapter without Carrie, but thanks to an extraordinary cast and crew we are ready to go grateful for ryan johnson and special thanks to george lucas for creating this incredible world and beginning a story of which we are lucky to be a part of hashtag nine now here i'm gonna break down this uh this picture that he shared because here's some things i noticed um what you can see in the background is Finn and Ray, definitely looking probably on the Falcon. But then if you look on the reader, what the camera's seeing, you also see Chewbacca. So it looks like it's Finn, Ray, Chewbacca. Maybe Poe is there, maybe not. Uh, I would assume Poe is probably there somewhere. You just can't see him right now. Uh, it's got, there's a little like logo-y thing and it says it's got seven and then nine because obviously, um, Mr. J.J. Abrams has directed 7 and 9. So some of the cast and crew have started to tweet out stuff. We're going to actually cover a lot of this stuff because there's a lot of people talking. Uh, the new Chewbacca, uh, Junus... 
gonna I always fuck his name up. Junasutamo Suotamo. Junasuotamo, sorry. Uh, May the force be with you. Hashtag episode nine. John Boyega had saying first day of filming done exclamation point. Ryan Johnson just tweets a gif of Han. And he's uh, saluting before he goes onto the Falcon. Anthony Daniels says, Star Wars Episode Nine. spoiler alert, I'm going to need a bigger suit. What a memorable welcome dinner at my favorite restaurant with JJ and KK, the Kathleen Kennedy, uh, sitting down with old faces and new, mine being the oldest. Spoiler alert, too. I had the salmon. <laughs> I love that. Uh, some people, fans and whatnot, uh, everyone looking at this picture right now, searching for clues, yeah, squinting and trying to see something. Another fan saying, more, when I see Star Wars Episode Nine has begun filming, and then it's uh, the Kylo Ren saying, more, when they're trying to kill uh, Luke. Um, Talkies Network, at Talkies Network on Twitter, we can't wait to see what you have in store for us, JJ. Thank you for closing out the trilogy you started, and Ryan Johnson continued. We know you'll make Carrie proud. Carry on forever. Hashtag Carrie Fisher. Hashtag Star Wars Episode Nine. Kylo approves. Uh, Stephen Camp posted a video. It's a gift from, uh, I'm pretty sure that was Saturday Night Live uh, bit. Robbie Fox says, welcome to Twitter, JJ. It's a terrible place sometimes, but I love you. Uh Jinfus Nest says, I'm unreasonably excited by this tweet and just want to say that you and Ryan have brought so much joy into my life and really invigorated my love for Star Wars. Thank you so much for what you guys have done. Beautiful words. Um, here's something. Okay, we let's talk about it in kind of order, huh? How about... So they announced the full cast list as well. And uh, let's see. I'm gonna just read it down here. They're gonna. You know, they start. They obviously started August first, uh, filming. Returning cast members include Daisy Ridley, Adam Driver, John Boyega, Oscar Isaac, Lupita Nyong'o, Domhnall Gleeson, Carrie Marie Tran, Junus Suamato, and Billy Lord. Joining the cast of Episode Nine are Naomi Aki and Richard E. Grant, who will be joined by veteran Star Wars actors Mark Hamill, Anthony Daniels, and Billy D. Williams, who will reprise his role as Lando Calrissian. The role of Leia Organa will once be again be played by Carrie Fisher using previously unreleased footage from shots for Star Wars The Force Awakens, spoiler alert, as well as shots from The Last Jedi. We desperately loved Carrie Fisher, says Abrams, finding a truly satisfying conclusion to the Skywalker saga without her eluded us. We were never going to recast or use a CG character. With the support and blessing from her daughter, Billy, we have found a way to honor Carrie's legacy and role as Leia in Episode 9 by using unseen footage we shot together in Episode 7, as well as Episode 8. Composer John Williams has scored every chapter in the Star Wars saga since 77 and will return for Episode 9. It will be produced by Kathleen Kennedy, J.J. Abrams, and Michelle Rejwan, executive produced by Callum Green and Jason McGatlin. The crew is, uh, well, I mean, sure, fuck it. I'll say the crew, too. These dudes deserve it. they got to work their asses off, right? The crew includes Dan Mendel, director of photography, Rick Carter and Kevin Jenkins, co-production designers, Michael Kaplan, costume designer, Neil uh, Scanlon, creature and droid FX, Marianne Brandon and Stefan Grub for editors, uh, Roger Guyot for visual effects supervisor. Tommy Gormley is first AD and Victoria Mahoney is second unit director. Uh, Star Wars Episode Nine will be coming out December 
of 19. Speaking of December of 19, you know what? Before we go there, let's talk about this Carrie, Carrie Fisher stuff. So, yeah, we they are going to be using footage from those first two movies that she was a part of to fulfill some sort of story arc, which is crazy to think. They filmed enough stuff where they might have maybe at one point thought, well, how are we going to get Carrie out of here? What if? What if we were going to write Carrie off? How would we do it? Let's just film this little scene here just to see how it looks. Let's just film this little scene here to see how that looks. And then ultimately, they filmed everything they fucking needed unintentionally. So Carrie Fisher's brother was actually like, hey, um, as, our, as her family, we are excited uh, and, um, you know, it says, as we, her family, as well as her extended family of fans around the world, so believe Carrie Princess Leia is forever entrenched in the franchise and her indelible presence is fundamental to the film. J.J. Abrams understood Carrie's iconic role, and he has masterfully recreated this final entry to include this unused and very last footage of Carrie ever taken without restoring to CGI or animatronics. Our family and her fans will look forward to great with great anticipation for this one. Her force will be with us forever. Uh, my personal thoughts, I love this. I love that there's a way to do this to where you can uh, give her a beautiful send-off. And honor that character because Carrie Fisher is such a legacy player. And not just Star Wars, but in so many other things. I mean, she's appeared as uh, in um, many things. One, one of her you know, smaller but more amazing roles that comes to mind is Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. She plays the nun that picks Jay and Bob up. And it's just, it's beautiful little things like that, you know, that uh, she was awesome. And it was uh, obviously a bummer to lose her, but for them to find a way to honor her is fucking excellent. Here's somebody we don't have to necessarily honor, but someone who is awesome to have showing up. Because Billy D. Williams, as we said, is reprising his role as Lando, but I'm not the only one excited that Lando is returning. Mark Hamill, at Hamill himself on Twitter, says, It's finally fine to admit I'm in nine. Billy D at real BDW two, which is long overdue. No one's ever really gone. Now only 17 months of no comments when asked about it to avoid revealing details or fueling speculation. See you around kids. And it's a picture of the episode nine logo, which is just a nine in the star Wars thing. You guys know what it looks like. Nothing special. Here's an interesting thought though. It's possible that star Wars will be switching up its release date. Um, Production is officially underway. They've said that it's going to hit theaters in December of 2019. But in December, uh, it's possible that it will not be released on December 20th. It is possible that it would release on December 13th, a week earlier, which would give the film an extra week of steam before the holiday season, like its predecessors before it. It would be, again, a steamrolling type thing that would just spiral into more and more and more and more and more. It would be a great thing. Uh, I love Star Wars. I love that they made it kind of a Christmas thing now. It's like, because it's like, ooh, you think Star Wars, you think Christmas, you think Christmas, you think Star Wars. It kind of goes hand in hand in tandem now. And 
as a big fan of Star Wars. I, you know, it, honestly, can I say something right here on the podcast? I'm going to shout out Tyler McLaughlin. Tyler, we really need a Star Wars podcast on our network, bro, as well as that other awesome thing you're working on. Oh, and if we're shouting people out about awesome things that they're working on, Nick Maxson, you know what to do when you're ready, my friend. Wapow! All right. So that's that was me just shouting out people on the network. Last bit of Star Wars information I have here. Star Wars Rogue One writer addresses the back lash from the last jedi while most star wars fans embrace the last jedi as a defining moment in the saga which set the bar high for challenging director direction of the franchise could begin to explore the film had some detractors who have spent a majority of their time online since the film's release complaining about they how they would have done things gary witta who wrote rogue one a star wars story and the comic book addict adaptation of the last jedi detailed how he might not have made all the same choices as writer director ryan johnson he commended the accomplishments of the film he says i think what you mean by that when you say the fans is actually a very noisy minority of fans would have shared with jedi news about the viewers who don't enjoy the film look i would not necessarily have made every choice that Ryan made because I'm not the same person or writer or the fan that he is, but I respect and admire and appreciate and support every choice he did make. The film he wrote is far braver and more mature and more challenging than I could have ever written. The writer nodded or noted, I suspected that I would have written a more fan service driven film that would have appeased some of that noisy minority, but ultimately would have been a less and less important film because of it. Frankly, I'm disgusted by the treatment that Ryan has received. He's not just one of the most talented filmmakers working today, but he's one of the nicest people you could ever hope to meet in any walk of life. And both he and the film have uh, the film he made deserve far better. In the months since the release, uh, former fans regularly offered Johnson constructive criticism about things should have gone, uh, but Witta didn't take any of those suggestions into account when crafting his adaptation. Nothing I did was in any way prompted by fan feedback. I made most of my big creative decisions on the adaptation and started writing before the film was even released. My approach when writing was not to worry about what other people want to see, but what I want to see, and then hope that my own instincts as a Star Wars fan, Star Wars fan are as on point enough that other fans agree with what choices I made. You're not only you'll not only drive yourself crazy worrying about what fans want, but you'll wind up telling an inferior story. So all of the editorial decisions I made were driven by things I wanted to see, but without upending any of Ryan's talents. Um, man, well said. I don't. Back to Last Jedi. It's a fucking great movie. Stop bitching about it. It's also on Netflix. Watch it now if you have a chance. We do have some other news here, folks. Where are we going to start here? This is some big news. Stan Lee is officially no longer signing autographs in public. And here's an official statement. Desert Wind Comics, who hosted an event where Lee was supposed to be signing... Um, says, as many of you know, Stanley has been getting older and such signing opportunities are getting more rare. And getting comic book signs that are eligible CGC signature series grading is becoming more difficult. The exact date and location of this signing will not be announced for security reasons. So we are simply authorized to announce accepting books early and will accept books up to the deadline. So submit early so you don't get caught by surprise and miss the signing. The, sign, the price to get a modern tier book signed and graded is $180. That price includes grading of a modern tier book, our witnessing and handling fee, and Stan's signing fee. 
Non-graded comics or raw items like posters and toys are priced beginning at 160 and depending on the size and the value of the item. To be very clear, Stan is 100% not doing any conventions, public signings. In the last few years, his well-being has been compromised by people for monetary gain, and that practice is over. His private signings had also been paused for a month while Stan's life gets back to normal and time could be given to review signing deals made by previous people involved in Stan's life. Signing a very small amount of items per week at his discretion, some for Desert Wind, Buller Jack explained, uh, explained Lee was formally tasked with signing hundreds and sometimes thousands of books per day. My concern is for Stan's health and wishes that, and wishes so he signs what he wants when he wants, which is as it always should be. The Spider-Man and Avenger co-creator inspired concern, uh, co-creator inspired concerns from fans after video surfaced April from a convention appearance showing a fragile Lee struggling to sign multiple autographs in quick succession. Kia Morgan, as we've talked about, has been uh, fired and has multiple restraining orders against him. Uh, and he's also uh, been kicked off of Lee's Twitter account where he, where Stan now has uh, control himself. Oh man, I feel like we should just go ahead and do it. I think it's time. We got to talk about this news, folks. It's unavoidable, but uh, James Gunn news. There's still no news on what's coming. I feel like as this episode's releasing, there's probably been a bombshell dropped that he's been reinstated. That's just me riffing at 11.29 p.m. on 8-5-2018, just in case anybody goes, oh, he fucking released this after. No, it'll be out before the fucking official news. Uh, That's just my, my, my hope. Let's say that's a hope. But I hope that Monday brings that for us, right? Because I guess, I, you know what, I tell you what, we didn't even cover the fact that the entire Guardians uh, did, uh, we, they released a statement, and actually I need to probably read that here on the thing as well. I can do that really quick. The statement says, to our fans and friends, this is about James Gunn. We have fully supported James Gunn. We were all shocked by his abrupt firing last week and have intentionally waited these 10 days to respond in order to think, listen, and discuss. In that time, we've been encouraged by the outpouring of support from fans and members of the media who wish to see James reinstated as director of Volume 3 as well as discouraged by those so easily duped into believing the many outlandish conspiracy theories surrounding him. Being in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies have been a great honor to each of our lives. We cannot let this moment pass without expressing our love, support, and gratitude for James. We are not here to defend his jokes of many years ago, but rather to share our experience of having spent many years together on the sets of Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2. The character he has shown in the wake of his firing uh, is... Uh, the wake of his firing is consistent with the man he was every day on set and his apology now and from years ago when first addressing these remarks we believe is from the heart a heart we all know trust and love in casting each of us to help him tell the story of misfits who find redemption he challenged he changed our lives forever we believe the theme of redemption has never been more relevant than now each of us look forward to working with our friend james again in the future his story isn't over not by a long shot There is little due process in the court of public opinion. James is not likely the last good person to be put on trial. Given the growing political divide in this country, it's safe to say that instances like this will continue, although we hope Americans across the political spectrum can ease up on the character assassinations and stop weaponizing mob mentality. It is our hope that what has transpired can serve as an example for all of us to realize the enormous responsibility we have to ourselves and to each other regarding the use of our written words when we etch them in digital stone. 
that we as a society may learn from this experience and in the future we'll think twice before we decide what we want to express. And in so learning, perhaps we can harness this capability to help and heal instead of hurting each other. Thank you for taking the time to read our words, The Guardians of the Galaxy. Chris Plant, or Chris Plant, fuck. <laughs> Chris Plant is now Star-Lord. Shout out to you on Kids for Sale. Chris Pratt, Zoe Saldana, Dave Bautista, Karen Gillian, Michael Ricker, Palm Clementif, Sean Gunn, and Bradley Cooper signed and released by Dave Bautista on Twitter, right? So Dave Bautista releasing this, as well as many other people. I'm sure, I'm pretty sure Karen, Palm, and everybody else tweeted it. So uh, here's the thing. We're not done with Dave Bautista talk. He said this. I will do what I'm legally obliged to do, but Guardians without James Gunn is not what I signed up for. GOTG without James Gunn just isn't GOTG. It's also pretty nauseating to work for someone who empowers a smear campaign by fascist cyber Nazis. That's just how I feel. I feel the same with you, Dave. I feel the total same. Here's another person. Kurt Russell has some more words. We've got so many people speaking out on behalf of Mr. James Gunn. It's, it's absolutely amazing because, you know, like... I don't know James Gunn personally, and, you know, as a fan of Guardians and as a fan of Marvel movies, I'm sure some of you guys can go, well, obviously he's going to suck fucking James Gunn off and be on his side. Here's the deal. I've said stupid shit in the past. I've been an idiot in the past. I'm not that guy anymore. And if everybody held me to that guy's standards, I'd fuck that that'd be awful like i don't I, i've grown and changed and learned from my mistakes so why can't james gunn be the same fucking person and do the same thing well, he's not the same person as me obviously but you know what i'm saying why can't he also experience redemption and growth as people that's all we fucking have is literally to get better as being people if you think that you're living your life and you're a good person and you don't have to get better at being a good person you're probably a shitty fucking person like here's my th- here's my thought Always try to help your fellow man. Always be there for everyone else. Always try to lift people up when they're down. Even if you don't have a fucking ounce to your name. If you don't have a fucking second to your soul. You fucking help people, man. That's an important thing. Giving back. Do what you can. If you see someone else in need, fucking step up. Do what you can. It's not that hard. So Kurt Russell says this. He says, it's sad, but it's part of our fabric now, and I get it. But I do think that we're getting a little too sensitive on maybe some of the wrong people. You have to realize when you're in the world as a comedian, a writer, whatever, you're always stretching the boundaries and trying to find something which led him to something that the world loves, which is Guardians of the Galaxy. He has a wonderful heart and a wonderful mind. I hope he is forgiven. Um, And then, of course, they uh, recycled the the thing about his... uh, his firing and the, what the other guardians said. Selma Blair, she came out in support of James Gunn. She said more things. She said, I think it's a nuanced thing, and I think nuanced things matter more than people think. I think each situation matters, and this was years ago, and there was a time when jokes were jokes. And I'm not defending the jokes that offended people but not uh, or not, but things are taken out of context, and that just happened to be someone who I know his character. When TMZ reporter agreed with her actions, she said, yeah, and they were jokes. He didn't actually commit any offenses. <laughs> Another sneeze. I'm so sorry. Apparently, it's in the air. So, 
Selma also said this. She said, I'm not in the business of thinking, uh, a, a business of it all, thinking a company would change its business practices by or anything and nobody like me tweets, but support is just important. When you're up against a mob mentality and there's a wonderful mob that stands behind him and people like him too, so I hope we always have that balance in this country. As for Twitter, she always she was already a bit over it before this popped up, but she isn't ruling out return somewhere down the line. You know what it was? The situation really bothered me. Yes, it also felt like, why not? Like, I don't feel like getting into fights. I don't feel like taking so much abuse from people right now. I mean, who knows? Maybe I'll be back on it one day. Maybe, you know, wasn't my biggest thrill in life. Talking about being off Twitter. I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see what happens with this James Gunn thing, but we've got Bobcat Goldweight also coming on the Colbert Report and just defending the fuck out of him. Uh, you guys can check out that tw- or that uh, clip online. Uh, just search Bobcat Goldweight wrote Disney about James Gunn because he did, and we actually already covered that, but he just you know brought it up on the Late Show, which is more exposure to the story. Uh, talking about Marvel, here's an interesting thing. Marvel is actually to blame for something and this is something that a lot of people are going to be a little bit upset with not only the james gunn firing but this is another thing so fx has come out and publicly said uh deadpool was canceled by marvel and not fx uh here is what was said uh at the television critics association summer press tour fx ceo John Landgraf revealed that Marvel pulled the plug on the series Donald Glover was creating with his brother Stephen Glover, though he didn't specify why. He says, They didn't want to do the show that Donald and Stephen wrote. We would have done the show that Donald and Stephen wrote, but it wasn't our decision. When Marvel decided not to do that show, we parted company with them, as did Donald and Stephen. FX and the Glovers still have a fruitful partnership, having just wrapped the second season of the award-winning series Atlanta. Uh, and it seems like they were poised to continue on that path into the future. Uh, yeah. So, man, uh, that's. Uh, I think that was a very poor decision on Marvel's part, honestly. Uh, if you watch the little teaser thing and the idea they had for that show, it. Uh, I think it could have been really special. I think it could have been really fun, really special, and different. And we don't have enough of that in cartoon world right now. Like, they've taken away Metalocalypse and... Squidbillies is gone and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, I, I feel, is Squidbillies gone? I don't actually know if that's true or not, but I feel like it is. Um, so, yeah, fucking Marvel doing shit wrong. But we're actually still going to talk a little bit about Marvel because there's, like, some Marvel news that has come up. Um, I don't know how, what order we want to do this, though. Okay, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so I'm just, I got to move some things around so my brain's in the right place uh obviously folks i don't know if you guys are aware of this or not but uh they released infinity war on digital and it's going to be out on blu-ray may or august 14th so uh they have all this commentary that's on the on the movie that you can listen to and there's a lot of stuff that got broke down i'm just going to bust through some shit that we found out uh with the avengers infinity war like i said um they had some deleted scenes, right? And the theatrical cut had the Gamora kidnapping happening, and then they encounter Iron Man, Doctor Strange, and Spider-Man next. The deleted scene shows, and I, I don't know if I covered this or not, but it's like Drax arguing with um, with uh, Quill because Quill wants to listen to New York Groove by Kiss, and he's like, I'm trying to get in the groove, specifically the New York Groove. 
And Drax is like, I'm tired of hearing the same song over and over. We've listened to it a hundred times. And while they're bickering, there's 23 important secret coded messages happening from Nebula. And it's like Gamora is alive. Thanos is taking her to Titan. Why are you responding? Why aren't you responding? Are you getting my important secret coded messages? And the blinking light. And he's like, oh, oh Drax, the, the light is yellow in the, in the deleted scene. And Drax is like, you said if it was yellow, let it mellow. Brown flush it down. Quill's like, no, man, that's not for this. It's a secret message code. Uh, Happy Hogan had a scene in the movie, and it was like right around the time when they were in the park, and uh, Tony's trying to get Pepper to tell him that he, she's pregnant, but she isn't doing it, and then uh, Happy Hogan shows up and uh, you know makes a little makes some funny stuff happen. Uh, they were talking about. Uh, how they did the the snap, and one thing that was interesting is like um, they gathered everybody around and said, "This is what we're doing today. We're gonna do this sequence. You're disappearing. You're disappearing. You're disappearing. We're you're disappearing. You're disappearing. Here's how we're doing it." And the reason they picked the people they picked was because it was super emotionally driven, and it would and it's gonna like really fuel some character stories to go even further. I mean, think Steve and Cap haven't really got to like just hang out together and things be cool. Like they've been fugitives against each other on the same team against other heroes. You know, he had to get cryogenically like frozen temporarily so they could figure out how to get rid of the Russian shit in his head and then gave him a new arm to make him the white wolf. And then like everything's finally settling down and they have this battle with Thanos and then poof. Bye Bucky. You gone. Uh, And then, you know, Akoya, getting told by Black Panther now is no place to die, and then he disappears. Like, now she's got to be, like, picking up the pieces because her king just disappeared in front of her fucking eyes. Uh, Rocket and Groot, how fucking heartbreaking with Groot's final word being dad. And Rocket just like, no, 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 Groot. You know, ugh, gut-wrenching. Um, I will say that they actually had a cut of the movie where Xandar was going to be like they were going to show all that but they decided not to use it again i believe it's because they um you know well you guys know i think they're going to use it for the next movie or they're going to use it for nova maybe the oh my god what if they launch nova by using a, a flashback sequence of how thanos got the power stone in xandar in the first place and then like that can tease that nova's coming oh that would be awesome uh, it's interesting also to note that people speculate whether there was some fear of Hulk on, uh, or fear on Hulk's part about having to face Thanos again, but ultimately, um, Hulk's t- just tired of being Bruce's like fucking pony boy and having to do it like every single time Banner gets himself into trouble. Hulk has to save the fucking day and he's sick of it. Um, the Stark knowledge thing, Thanos is aware that his plans of New York get foiled by Iron Man. It's clear because he asks, like, Loki and and the other... Well, he actually asked the other because Loki gets captured by uh, Thor. He asked the other, you know, like, hey, how the fuck do we get defeated? And he's like, you know, there was another on Earth and a man named Iron Man or some shit, you know. Uh, He he got his fucking neck snapped, though, so he doesn't exist anymore. Uh... The reality stone, that's another thing. A lot of people were like, why couldn't Thanos just like do whatever he wanted with the reality stone? Because it just can alter reality. 
it can alter the perception of reality while you're there. That's why as soon as he leaves, Drax goes back to normal, Mantis goes back to normal when he's um, when he uses the reality stone in nowhere. So it's more like uh, it's only something that is uh, dramatic of disposing light. He can only oh 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 okay. Um, actually, there were some other stuff cut. Man, there's a lot of stuff that happened with Avengers. It's crazy. But uh, it's interesting to note, let's see, here's some other stuff. Uh, oh, ooh, I just read something that's really fucked up. So <clears throat> it's actually a bit of a continuity error, though, I think, because we, now we need to, like, ooh, that's an interesting question. Okay, so here's the thing. I'm reading a little thing right now on comicbook.com. That's where I get a lot of my stuff, a lot of the articles that I bring to you guys, a lot of the news that I'm dropping. Uh, and they're talking about in the in the commentary track, and I didn't hear this. The what you see happen to Gamora's planet is what happened to Drax and his family. Drax was put on the side that was spared, and his family, his wife, Ovet and Gamaria, his daughter, I think. I don't know if that's right, but um, they're they're on the other side, and then they they don't make it. Uh, but it's weird because I thought that Ronan killed Drax's family. So was Ronan carrying out Thanos's bidding like that? Because we haven't seen that yet, so I don't know if that's if that's the real deal or not. Well, maybe we'll see. Who knows? So I want the reason I've been bringing up a lot of this like different Avengers news because I know it's kind of like. Um, quasi-recycled or news that maybe you guys don't necessarily care about. Uh, I want to mention real quick the Space Dogs line that Rocket says. from a, It came from a kid. The kid called them Space Dogs. Um, so then they said, okay, well, I guess uh, they were going to say, here come the Space Outriders. Uh, and the focus group, after one of the test screenings, one of these kids said, you know, those space dogs. And then this, I guess this kid kept referring to them as space dogs. So they just told Bradley Cooper to add it to his list of things he'd be saying in the booth. And he said, come get some space dogs. Uh, but I, the reason I brought up all this different Avengers news is because when we did Journey into Comics 202, which was really back at LaFiCon, we had John Tyler Christopher on, and he was asking a lot of different questions, and it's it was very interesting, just all the things that we talked about. You guys heard that last week. One of the things he asked was like, hey, why couldn't Thanos have just, why couldn't he just double the resources? Like, why couldn't he just do that? That he's, you know, the MacGuffin is a bad thing. And here's the answer, officially, from the director, so there's no uh, question anymore. People have asked us why Thanos didn't just use the stones to double the resources in the universe, since clearly he has not. Uh, it's about free will. That doesn't solve their problem. We're just going to get there millions of years from now, and this is an opportunity for people to get it right, and he trusts them. So essentially, Thanos' is thinking. Thanos's thought process is, uh, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take care of the problem now, because... If I don't, in millions of years, it's still going to happen anyways, and that's bullshit. I could just solve this problem now. Why not just solve this problem? I'm a problem solver. I'll just solve your problem. 
you've been that guy or girl probably where someone's like, oh man, I'm, you know, you're like, you're at your house or something and your, your spouse or your best friend or your partner or whatever. They're like, Hey, I really need to get this done. Like I really want to paint the cabinets, for example. And you're just like, Oh, I'm a fucking problem solver. And the next thing they know you painted the cabinets except for they, um, you didn't paint them the right color. So, so there's that. Um, so yeah, he's just like, he's like, look, we, we just had to get this right the first time. I'm going to be a problem solver. And I see the problem and I can solve it. So I'll solve the problem. I'll paint the cabinet. That's Thanos' thinking. He's just painting the cabinet. Painting the cabinet. That's the episode title. Journey to Comics 203, Painting the Cabinet. Awesome. So uh, also they said uh, that Thanos could in fact use the Infinity Gauntlet to heal his arm. However, there is a cost using the power of the stones. So I guess that the cost is kind of also what caused his arm to get all fucked up after he did the snap. Huh. Well, that's it for Marvel news. We do have some more news to go. We are going to be officially late on the release time for this episode. We're still going to come out on release day, so I'm not that concerned with it. You guys aren't going to be that concerned with it. You guys are going to be like, fuck yeah, new Journey into Comics. I'm stoked. Journey into Comics 203, paint in the cabinet. Anyways, we're talking about Marvel. Marvel and Disney just bought out Fox. It's happening, folks. There's no going back now. Regulators will be authorizing the deal, and before we know it, we will be getting information on the future of what's going to come for the MCU, and where we're going to get Deadpool, what we're going to get for all these new characters, X-Men and Fantastic Four and whatnot. I hope to be having a really cool conversation with somebody very shortly about what could come from the Fantastic Four and what we would see, we would like to see if we were to be in charge of that movie, who we would cast, uh, maybe who would even direct it, what kind of story would you adapt, where do you go with villain, obviously you start with Doctor Doom, or, you know, honestly, I, well, I'll save that for the podcast, uh, but I have I have a really cool other idea, but uh, talking about this merger, Fox is actually fighting to keep The Simpsons. For three decades, The Simpsons have been one of the most iconic franchises to come from Fox airing every episode on their network after spinning off from the Tracy Ullman show. And despite the impending purchase by Fox, it seems like new Fox will fight to keep the animated series. While speaking at the uh, TCAs, that's the Television Critics Association Summer Press Tour, Dan Walden and Gary Newman revealed their plans to keep The Simpsons on the network after the acquisition takes place. Simpsons is so much part of the brand, and there's such an incredible halo effect at the show and the other animated series that are on our Sunday nights. There are no plans for them to go anywhere other than Fox. We have a couple of years of episodes already in progress on The Simpsons, so down the line, what kind of decision uh, is made, I really can't speak to, but for the foreseeable future, there's so much upside and benefit to having a great Emmy Award-winning, smart, provocative quality show that there's no consideration of not ordering more Simpsons. Of course, with the Disney purchase, they could try to move the long-running animated series to a network they own, such as ABC, but the Fox TV heads aren't going to let such a major change happen without a fight. As long as we've all been in the business, networks have licensed shows they don't have ownership of. The Simpsons generates lots of revenue and opportunities off networks through consumer products and otherwise, and I feel confident that Disney and Fox are going to find a way to both have an interest in that show, and I anticipate it continuing to stay on the Fox network. Hmm, so maybe Fox and Disney will make another deal. Um, maybe for Fox to get quicker right or Disney to get quicker rights to the Marvel characters. I don't, I don't, I, it still doesn't matter. They're not going to get them in by Avengers four. 
it would be dope to fucking include the whole I, again i don't want to say anything i have like a million great ideas of how you introduce the fantastic four and like what kind of story you would tell and uh, there's a there's a way to go but we're gonna move away from marvel now we're gonna jump over to some dc news because jay oliva who was the storyboard artist actually insists there is a, a, a Zack Snyder cut of the film. He says, uh, responding to a fan, he says, yes, it does. If it doesn't, then what did Zack screen to execs prior to Whedon? If you don't care for it, then step aside because you're just parroting what the bloggers are saying without any real knowledge or insight. Have a great day, Tim. Thumbs up. So he's apparently seen the Snyder cut of this movie and people are begging for it. At this point, I feel like you're in a sticky situation because if you release it and it's leaps and bounds better than the Whedon cut or whatever, then you're going to have a divided fan base, right? Some people are going to be like, oh, no, the first Justice League was much better and this is just some bullshit that, you know, we shouldn't have to see. Um, But, man, I don't know. It's weird. I don't. I would I would watch it. I would give it a shot for sure. Uh, but more news in the DC world. We got to jump over to this. This is something I'm actually kind of secretly excited about because the Flash movie has uh, the filming start date has been released as well as the locations they might be filming in. Ever since Just Justice League released to a disappointing box office and lackluster fan reaction, fans have been wondering about the future of DC Comics movies. Before the movie premiered, Warner Brothers created a ton of buzz by announcing an ambitious film slate, which included Flashpoint. While the Flash solo movie, among any projects, seemed to be in the state of uncertainty, Warner Brothers secured Game Night directors and Spider-Man Homecoming writers John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein to helm the first Flash solo movie, and now we know it might start filming very soon. According to an update from the Production Weekly, DC Films is set to start rolling on the Flash movie in February of 2019. It seems like the both the Flash solo movie and the Birds of Fre- Prey movie will begin filming around the same time in Atlanta, which has become a very popular location for superhero movies from Marvel Studios. This would line up with the hint provided by Daly when asked by a fan when they should expect his new movie. The director responded ominously and wrote, If all goes well, sometime in 2020. The Flash movie has been through a ton of changes ever since it was first revealed to be renamed Flashpoint after infamous Andy Kubert and Jeff Johns comic to director Rick uh, Femiue leaving the project. There are recent rumors that the films would be adopting a Back to the Future-esque vibe, which would make sense since Warner Brothers actively courted director uh, Robert Zemeckis to helm the film. But now that the Game Night directors have been secured, it seems like progress has steadily moved forward. Even star Ezra Miller seems excited about the project, and he has recently met with the directors to speak about the tone of the movie. I met with them recently, Miller said at Wizard World Philly. They're really, really, really cool guys. I really like their work a lot, and I think they're really great. After months of radio silence, we hope that the work is starting to pick up on the Flash movie. He's a breath of fresh air in the DCU and could be a major part of the boost to the Warner Brothers after a series of missteps to kickstart their superhero franchise. Flash is rumored to be releasing in 2020, although DC is yet to confirm those plans. I want to close this one out this week with some news that's not comic book related, not superhero related, but goddammit, is it close to my fucking heart? And it's, mem- it's, it's all about, what's that word? nostalgia pain the cabinet nostalgia no it's not pain the cabinet nostalgia nostalgically painting the cabinet no that's not it 
Space Jam 2 is rumored to be coming out, folks. And it's weird because, like, it's going to have LeBron, not Jordan, but you can't do Jordan because he's not Jordan that he was back then. I'm sure he's still killer, but, you know. So the long-rumored Space Jam sequel, set to star LeBron James, may have found a director in Terrence Nance, according to reports at The Wrap. Nance, who works on the HBO series Random Acts of Flyness, also directed uh, an oversimplification of oversimplification of her beauty. A Space Jam 2 starring James has been rumored for years, although Warner Brothers acknowledging the possibility was fairly recent development. Justin Lin, known for his work on the Fast and Furious franchise, was originally attached but pulled out of the project when progress was slow in getting the Ove to a filmable place. Hmm. Thinking about this for a second, folks. No official release date, no cast, nothing. Possible director. It's very early. Will we see Space Jam 2? Who knows? Would I like to see Space Jam 2? I don't know. It needs to have a cameo like Bill Murray, but can Bill Murray do it? Is Bill Murray the guy to do it? Do you get somebody totally different, some new dude? Um, LeBron, can he act? At all. And not to say Jordan could necessarily act, but I don't know. It's it's very interesting to see the possibility. Maybe Jordan could also return. See, I already have a script. In like 30 seconds, I brainstorm an idea. It's easy. The Monstars have returned. They take Jordan prisoner. LeBron is supposed to be... They think that he is a, like a clone of Jordan, so they try to get him too, but... They realize that he's not Jordan, he's James. And then, um, you know, chaos ensues, and they'd be like, basketball game for Michael Jordan. Whoever wins gets Michael Jordan. And then it's like, it looks like it's going to be the five on one LeBron James and like the modern Monstars. I don't know who the modern Monstars would be. Uh, Kevin Durant is probably one of those Monstars. Maybe Tim Duncan is one of those Monstars, legacy type dude. Um, Maybe Rajon Rondo or someone like Steph Curry could be. James Harden would be interesting as a monster. I mean, there's I don't know, there's a lot of different people that it could be. A lot of different people that it could be. But we'll see if that even happens. I don't know. We do not know if that will actually be happening or not, folks. But I think that's going to do it for this week's episode of Journey into Comics. Before we go, i got to always let you guys know where you can check us out. That's journeyintocomics.com. That's where you get the Journey Into Comics Network. All nine and soon to be ten shows. couple weeks here we have a show debuting on Friday. Not this week because Friday, this Friday is Kids for Sale. But next week we will be debuting Gallifradio. It is time to doctor who it up and talk about the doctor and talk about all things who. So you can check that out at journeyintocomics.com on the 17th of August, but you can check out all of our shows at journeyintocomics.com or on the Journey Into Comics Network on all the different podcasting platforms, whether it's iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, or Spotify. Also, you gotta give us a buck. Go to Journey Into Comics Patreon, which is patreon.com backslash journeyintocomics. Give us a buck for early access. As soon as the episodes are edited, they're in your ear holes. As If you give us $3, as soon as we get exclusive content to you when we can because exclusive content's what you guys want but we got new shows coming and i promise there's some stuff going to be on the on the patreon before it goes anywhere else we've got bruise with babes coming back 
Lauren is on my ass to get one recorded. So we're just trying to get our schedules together, and you guys are going to get Brews with Babes, and that's going to be a blast. She has so much fun. It's so much fun to do that show and to at least be a part of it, uh, try to help out how I can. Uh, I want to thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Journey into Comics. As always for Journey into Comics, I am your host, Nate. This is JIC203, painting the cabinets. Do me a favor. Before you paint your cabinet, take your hat off, grab your knife, saw your dome open, and fill your brains with... Shit. Shit.